0: We are uh, in the last week of a four-week series that is on finances. Um, If you don't know this, um, in the history of our church, we've never done a series on finances, and it turns out you guys like it. So we'll do another one just following this, if that's... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, But I won't be speaking at it because I don't like it. So anyways, um, um, what we wanted to do is cover a kind of more healthy conversation about finances than what I think the church has approached in years past. I think that most of the conversation about finances has been, uh, we need your money and you should give. And if you give, then then it'll be good for you. Uh, but what I realized with that is that's not all of the same conversations that I have in my home about money. And so I think that it's important that we share what it looks like for church as a whole um, in regards to finances. And so We talked first. Less is more. Everyone say less is more. more. Stress is bad. bad. Giving is good. good. And tomorrow Tomorrow matters. When we say less is more is because I believe that most of the things that we need to do with money, we already have, but we've spent it on so much stuff that we don't need Uh, in the moment momentary things happen in our life and we need that and we need that and we need that and so we've consumed and we are consumers as americans and we've bought a lot of stuff that we don't even like anymore we have closets filled with clothes that we think i don't like any of these things yet we say to ourselves i have nothing to wear but our closet is full of stuff welcome to america the problem is then we have stress, stress is bad because mostly because we have goals and things that we want to do and we can't seem to do them and we're overwhelmed with things that are, that are broken or not right in our life and we're so overwhelmed that we don't know how to get out of this situation, we don't have a plan. And then we realize that giving is good and what I realize is, is uh, in, in giving is good, if, if we believe that giving is good, which everyone does, we teach this to little children for crying out loud. Why is it that it's so difficult for us to do? Because we're afraid we're going to lose something when we let go, when we believe in our core that this is healthy to do, yet we are hanging on to so much. And so we talked about last week learning to put God first in our tithe and how when we give God our life and we give God the tithe, the first and the best part of our life, then we shift everything in our life around him. And this is so good. He said, well, if I started tithing, I wouldn't have enough to do all the things in my life. You'd have to rearrange everything in your life. Yes, that's what we want. We want all of your life to evolve around God, that you would start off and say, God, you have my best. You have my heart. You have my life. And now what do you want to do with it? And then you let him show you what Keith can do with your finances or what you should do with your finances. But instead, we live like the world. We spend whatever we want to. We give our leftovers to God. And we wonder why we're not wholeheartedly passionate about the things of Jesus. And uh, so we talked about how giving is is good and and it's healthy, and this week we're going to talk about how tomorrow matters, and I think it's going to be fun. Let's jump in. Uh, Benjamin Franklin, let's pray first. Let's pray. We'll talk about Benjamin Franklin. Dear Jesus, Lord. Yes. Help. Amen. Tomorrow matters. Tomorrow matters. Tomorrow matters. Benjamin Franklin said this. If we fail to plan, then we plan on failing. If we fail to plan, we plan on failing. I, I, this is so accurate. There are so many things in our life where we are moving so fast that we didn't plan on what we're doing for dinner. And because we didn't plan it, we have to stop by Chipotle and spend $12 on, on a burrito. $12 on a burrito! How is that possible? And uh, you need the chips, and you got to get the drink. And now it's eighty-five dollars somehow. I don't know how that works. Uh, but if we if we fail to plan, we, we plan on failing. And then Zig Ziglar said it this way: He says, "If we aim at nothing, we'll hit it every time. If we aim at nothing, we'll hit it every time." I think that this is a problem in our culture uh, because we have been uh, ingrained to live in the moment. That the only thing that matters is what's happening today, and don't 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 think about the future. Let me tell you something. Jesus did say, don't worry about tomorrow. But what he was trying to say is, I don't want you to worry about tomorrow. But he did talk a lot about stewardship and about how to multiply your finances and how to get your finances to work for you. How he wants to make sure that you always have investment on your finances. He does care that you have a plan for your future and that you're walking with him and working with him on your future. Let me tell you something. We don't always care about tomorrow until tomorrow is today, and now when we're broke, we care about today. What crud. I wish I wouldn't have spent that money on that thing that I didn't need, mostly because we didn't have a plan when yesterday came, so we did what we wanted with yesterday, and now today is here, and we don't have enough to do what we're called to do today. Is anyone with me? If we fail to plan, we plan to fail and if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. And I think that what's important is that we are people of purpose. We are people. A vision like, like we have a calling in our life. We are going somewhere. There is a target in our life of something that we he wants us to become, of something he wants us to do, things he wants us to have. We are people of discipline, of structure, of purpose. Of like, like we we know we I say no to this and I say no to that because God has called me to have this, and we are after something. We are people of mission. We cannot live unintentionally in life. Because if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. You will wake up one day realizing that you missed a lot of life. You're not as good as you thought you were. You're not as far enough as you thought you were. I wish I had gone back and gotten an education. I wish I would have gotten a, and we have to be people of purpose with our time and with our resources because tomorrow matters. And one day you'll wake up and realize I missed a lot of great opportunity, that you had a lot more resources than you thought. We just didn't have a plan for what we were going to do with them. And I want you to understand that in this, the, the parable of Jesus talking about the, the stewardship, that those that actually have a plan for their resources are the ones that God multiplies, because they're intentional. So people say that wealthy people are the most stingy people in the world. It's because they have a plan for all of their resources. Do you have a plan for the resources that God has given you? Hmm, we're going to dive into this here. For we are uh, this is Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. And uh, it says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. I want you, you are his workmanship. You are his prized possession. He is working on you. He is creating something in you. And I think it's important that you understand that there is a start And there is a finish to this process. This is the the process of sanctification. And what that means is that what God has begun in you, he will continue to do until the day of Christ Jesus. What what are you saying, Tim? Is that God is trying to make an end result in you. He is coming back for a spotless bride. You are the bride of Christ. He wants you to, the end result should look like this. Who is God calling you to be? Come, come. What is your goal? What is your ministry? What is, who are you called to be? Is it just a wife? And when you got married, is that it? Are you done now learning? Are you done now working? Is, are you at the end result of your life already? What is your end game? I, I want to be a minister of the gospel. I want to reach people with the, for the lost. I, wanna, I want these hands to lay hands on the sick, and I would love for them to recover. I want to help the poor. I, I want to I do great things. I know that God is calling me to do greater things than what I currently am. And when he says that we are his workmanship, I want you to understand that you're in a process. And those that live a life of surrender and obedience get worked on faster and harder. And this is the same thing with any student or any disciple or any athlete. Those that surrender to their coach and are obedient to their coach process far faster. There's teachers in this room. To those teachers in this room, you and the best pupils are those that are, will surrender to your teaching, will listen to you, and obey you. These become the best students. How are you becoming who God has called you to become? We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Everyone say good works. works. For good works. He wants you to do good things. It's his plan. He wants you to do good things. This is where you're going. You are going to do good things, great things. He wants you to have good things, great things. Like It's important for you to understand that there is things ahead of you that he wants you to obtain, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That he prepared beforehand that we should walk in. I love this. I love it so much that there is nothing that God does unintentionally. The very fact that we would start off, and I, 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 didn't, I wasn't raised in the church, but many of us learned in kindergarten that God has a plan for my life. What does that mean? It means that God is not unintentional about what he wants to do in your life. You should not be either. Because if you are unintentional, you will wake up 20 years from now and say, man, I have wasted a lot of time. Tomorrow matters. We are living in a generation where where our government, a lot of people are aware, we have not a great plan for Social Security many years from now. There may not be resources there for you 30 years from now. What is going to happen if the government's in debt trillions and trillions of dollars and there's no money for Social Security hope you have a plan for you. It starts now. Tomorrow matters. Does that make sense? So I'm thinking about how we start preparing for where we're going tomorrow. This happens in everything in life. Before my wife and I got married, um, we went to premarital counseling where uh, we went to a counselor, and his job was to fix my wife, so she'd be perfect for me. He was going to get out all the kinks in her, and then, and so she'd be perfect to be a bride, and, but, I mean, you know, that's just part of it. Like, you're not set once you get married. You got to work on this thing, and the moment you stop working on your marriage is the moment that people get disgruntled, right? But we, we went to a class to learn what it looks like, because we didn't have the right idea. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but, but when my wife was, was pregnant with our kid, she was taking prenatal vitamins because they want to make sure that the baby is getting healthy and getting all the nutrients in her body before but children, uh, before they go to kindergarten. They'll go to preschool before they end up in kindergarten because they want to learn before they learn. Like, we don't want to just throw you in a class where you're learning for the first time. We're to teach you your ABCs, your one, two, threes, you know. So you don't learn it all from Sesame Street. Um, uh, but today I, I, I want you to know that I, I prepared a sermon for you. Nothing that I'm going to say is accidental. Like I want to make sure that what we happens in this room is the best. The worship team prepared for us. We, we set out chairs. We prepared for the service the best that we can so that God can do the best that he can in the hour and 15 minutes that we have together. I, I'm praying today. We spend a lot of time in prayer praying that your hearts would be prepared for what's going to happen in this message. Are you prepared for where God is going in your life? I think that it's so important. You have to understand that if an athlete shows up at a fight and he's not prepared for that fight, he's going to get his lunch handed to him. You know. And I, in, in our lives, guys, if we're not prepared for work, if we're not prepared for our careers, if we're not prepared for our marriage, prepared for children, like we don't want to be accidental about anything. Now is the time, if you're not yet married, that you start learning on who is God calling you to become. If you are married, please understand that you have not arrived yet. Who is God calling you to become? And I love that we are the bride of Christ, and yet he has still not come back for us yet because there is work for us to do in becoming a greater thing. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he has planned for us before, long ago. And with that, I want to jump into this message today. What has God put in your heart? What things has God wanted you to have, to purchase? Is there something that you believe? You know what? I think God wants me to have a boat. I'm not against a boat. In fact, if God's telling you to have a boat, he's telling you that you should be friends with your pastor. (laughs) Just make sure you understand that concept. That's got to go hand in hand. What does God want you to have? When we talked about less is more several weeks ago, we want to make sure that you understand That I don't believe that God doesn't want you to have good stuff, not at all. I think God wants you to have great stuff, but I think He wants us to have a lot less crap, a lot less compromising, a lot less stopping along the way to get things, excuse me, that we don't need. What is it that you're after in your life? Are there places that God is calling you to go? Are you called to go to Europe? Are you called to go to Nicaragua with us on a missions trip that we're going in July? We'd love for you to go. That's a little plug there. You see how I did that? That was perfect. <laughs> um, we, we, I don't know what God is, but has He called you to go see the nations? Has He called you to share the gospel? Has He called you to to be a minister at work? Learn how to do this. There are resources, YouTube. There's pastors, staff, other people, other coworkers that are struggling to learn to do the same things that you are. Please understand that you're not alone. But what is He calling you to do? What's in your heart? Tomorrow matters. And the one thing we don't want to happen is to wake up in a fight that we weren't prepared to be in. Because there is a lot of, I know ministers of the gospel, great men and women of God, that it's their time to retire and they have no money in in, in their savings and they can't. And I don't know if you realize it yet, but we are going to come an age where no one wants to hire us or listen to us or, you know, and the only option is for us to stand in front of Walmart and greet people. And that isn't my dream. You understand? That wasn't, and so, but we start today. The resources that God has given you is today. The Bible says, go to the ant, you lazy sluggard. I love looking at ants. They're the craziest, most hardworking creatures in the world. Because they're preparing, I mean, i you never see those videos where they pour the liquid uh, iron down, this is a rabbit trail, I know, but they pour the, ra- the iron down in the holes in it, and then they dig it out after it cools, and it's like this awesome, gorgeous, like, village underneath there, like... They work hard because there's a day coming when you can't work. And you gotta know, like, it's coming. I'm gonna dive into that here today. What does God put in your heart? I love this. This is in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 2. And this is uh, King David. He's in and, and, and the Bible, and he said here, he says, King David, he rose to his feet and he said, Listen to me, my fellow Israelites, my people. I had it in my heart to build a house. As a place of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord. For the footstool of our God, I made plans to build it. And I just think to myself, like, what is it that God put in your heart to do and to become? What do you want to do for Jesus? What do you want to do with your family? Where do you want to go? Because what I know is at the end of this calendar year, some of you are going to be like, you know what? I really wish we went on a cruise. I want you to go on a cruise too. I want you to rest more. I want you to do a lot more fun stuff. But this only happens if you recognize that tomorrow, and you got to plan for it today because tomorrow's coming. And God has given you all the resources that you're going to have. It's just a matter of will. Are you willing to surrender those resources to him and manage it for his kingdom? Is anyone hearing this? Because I think that this is really good stuff. Okay, here we go. It's going to get better, I promise. (laughs) Our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What do you want? And so what I've learned is that the reason why athletes starve their body is because they want championship more than the next guy. And that's why they're they're better than most people. I mean, they are disciplined, 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 disciplined people. I think that's why the Patriots beat the Rams this year, you know? Because I mean, they're, they're, they're disciplined, disciplined, disciplined. The Rams, they're like the fun team, you know? They got worked. And they wish that they would have worked harder prior to getting to that big game. And no one's going to be there when you get to your big game. But you have in you everything that God has already resourced you with. You may not feel like it's enough. I know. I, I think about Moses getting to the edge of the Red Sea. Like, it's a great thing. Bible story, the like great illustration, you know, like Moses is called to deliver God's people, and he gets to the edge of a Red Sea, and he's got th- hundreds of thousands of people behind him, and all he's got in his hand is a stick. <laughs> That's defeating, you know what I'm talking about? Like he doesn't have a bazooka or anything like that. Like nothing cool. He doesn't have hand grenades or any- He's got a stick, and I'm telling you, the resources that you have in your hand, you're not going to feel like are enough. And that's the way culture designed it. And Facebook and everything else is going to make you feel like you don't have enough. But you do and have, in fact, everything that you need to do what God is calling you to do. It's just a matter of whether or not you're willing to change your life to look like what God wants it to look like. you got to start over. And the problem is, is we've stumbled into marriage or we've stumbled into relationships, or we've stumbled into a career, and now that we're here, we're like, well, God, how do, I, how do I do this with what I have? No, 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 no. We give everything we have to Jesus, and then we start a new plan, and that's the way we live for the Lord. We don't do it the way the world does it, because you're going to be in debt, in debt, in debt, in debt, and trying to dig a way out of a hole, and let me tell you something, stress is bad, and then you can't give, and then tomorrow doesn't happen, because stress is bad. And all right, cool, I have to keep going. Abraham Lincoln said this. He said, You cannot escape the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today. Oh man, if there's a quote under heaven, that's it. You can't evade the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today, it's coming. And many of us are getting better and better at watching television and getting better and better at playing video games and getting better and better at, you know, when we say, oh, I'm so tired of work and I'm so backed up and I don't have the resources I have. And I want you to know, like, you have everything you need. Most of us are just checking out and not doing the things that God wants, like spend more time with your family, less time doing nothing. Do nothing with your family. Don't do nothing checked into something that gives nothing in return. This is about getting the best investment out of your time. That's what you have. You don't have a job that pays $10 an hour. You have time that you give in exchange for money. And some of us are wasting our time doing other stuff that doesn't matter. Does that make sense? You can't escape the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today. I believe that tomorrow is coming. Are we preparing for it? We're a work in progress, and we're all supposed to be preparing for tomorrow. We are his bride. So the first thing is, what has God put in your heart? I would challenge you as you leave here today to talk to your spouse or talk to your friend or something like that. And think of four things that you wanna do this year. Somewhere you wanna go or something you wanna have. Maybe it's an Apple computer that God wants you to have and that's great. Maybe it's a new car, that's great. I don't know what it is that God's putting in your heart, but circle those things, pray about them and see, all right, so then if that's what I want, that's what I'm after, how do I get there? And that's my second point is, how will you get there? Then the Lord said to me in Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. The Lord answered to me and said, Write the vision down and make it plain on tablets. And he who reads it, uh, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, and at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And what he's saying is don't lose heart in doing good. Don't lose heart because what you want is not happening today. Good things in life don't come easy. How many of you know that? We don't see that as a generation, but the best things in life don't just show up at our door. You're probably not going to win the lottery. You know what I'm talking about? Like, so if that's your plan for, uh, for doing all the things you want, you should probably think of another plan because the chances are that it's not going to work out for you. Find a vision write it down. This is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. And make it clear, make it clear that this is what you want. I think it's important that I recap really quick because I think that giving is the priority of my life. I'm giving first to the Lord. Now with the rest, it's important also that we, oh, I can't get there yet. Listen to this. Why it's important that you understand how you're supposed to get there is because you're not always going to have all the resources that you have today. You may be living today in the current season of blessing. Many people don't recognize this, but if you live life in community, you'll see one thing. We live life in seasons. And some days it's harvest season and it's great. And some seasons it's springtime and ain't nothing growing yet, you know, and we're trying and we're working the ground and we're fighting and ain't nothing there. There are some seasons, there's a season to laugh and a season to cry. There's a season to work and a season to rest. There is a season to rest. You should all have time to sit back and have a Sabbath and enjoy time with your family. It's important that we should all have rest. There is a season for everything under the sun and you may not be currently making the money that you're going to be making in the next season. I want you to understand that. And so with that being said, listen to this, this is coming from the scripture and we're talking about how will you get there, write the vision down and make it clear. Can't get any more clear than this. I love it. This is Genesis chapter 41 verse 29 through 36 and it says this, seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow and then an abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and famine will ravage the land in abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. You understand this? Joseph, the, the, the Pharaoh of Egypt is given this dream and he doesn't understand it and he's upset and he, and he looks for someone that would interpret it. And he comes to Joseph and Joseph says, Hey, look, let me tell you what's going to happen, man. You're going to have a lot of plenty coming up and then you're going to have a lot of drought. Now, let me tell you as your pastor, you're going to have a lot of plenty in your life. And then you're going to have a lot of drought. This is just common sense. If you live to be 80 years old, chances are highly likely that you're not going to be making as much money when you're 75 years old than you are when you're 25. Can I get an amen from someone? And so knowing that there's a drought coming one day, we have to prepare for it today, right? And so Joseph says to the king, hey, look, man, there's, there's and he makes it as clear as he can for the king. Verse 33, Now let Pharaoh look over the discerning and over the wise and put in charge of the land of Egypt. I love this. Joseph is saying, find good managers. Find good managers. Listen to this. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of the abundance, that they should collect all the food of these good years that are coming to store up for the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. For this is food that should be held in reserve for the county, country and, and, and to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country will not be ruined by the famine. I love that he makes it as clear as possible. All right, Pharaoh, this is what you need to do. You need to find good managers, good people that are good, wise with their money. I want that job. First of all, I don't know if you realize that right after this dream, Pharaoh said, Joseph, you're now the second most important person in all of my kingdom. You're going to run everything. I want that job. I want God to trust me with what he has. I want God to trust me with the resources he has. Because I believe, based on what I read in Scripture, that if I'm faithful with little, I'll be, I'll, I'll be ruler over many. Like, if, I, if I'm faithful with what he gives me, he'll give me more. If I'm faithful with what he gives me, he'll give me more. And I believe that if I'm faithful with the resources that I have, then I'll go to the places that God wants me to go because I had a plan to get there. Because if we fail the plan, then we plan to fail. So Joseph is making it as clear as possible. Look, guys, I don't know if you realize this, but there is a drought coming. And so if you are making money right now, you have to know. He said, I want you to take a fifth of your income and put it away because there are days that are not coming. In my house, I have found that it's wise for us to take some money and give it to the Lord first. Then we take some money and we pay ourselves for when we're old. Then we try to put some money aside so we can have an emergency account. So if things go bad in our life and the car breaks down, we don't have to go into debt. to pay. We haven't paid any bills yet. You have to have money put aside for you. Because there is a drought coming. And what happens is, when the drought comes, we blame the devil. We blame each other. We, and this is why there's divorces. The number one cause of divorce is finances. We get so mad at each other, and it's all because for those that fail to plan, plan to fail. We didn't know what to do with our resources. I'm just telling you, there's a day coming where you can't work. We plan on it now. I'm giving everything that I have to the Lord. The scripture says, test me in this. Test me in this. Now, I know you want things. You want an Apple computer. You want a great new smartphone. I don't believe that you cannot have those things. I think that you can have those things when you're faithful with what God has given you, and you say no to all the other stuff so you don't buy something that's shiny when you've also bought so much other stuff and you didn't plan for what you should have done with God's money. Am I saying that clearly? I don't know if that's like a riddle. so how will you get there? And I think it's important that you look at your finances and you say, what matters most? Well, I know that there's a day coming where I may, no one may want to come and hear Pastor Tim speak when he is way bald. You know what I'm talking about? Like, um, I got some hair and some people still care and I'm really grateful, but there is a day coming. <laughs> my wife reminds me of it every day. Um, we're praying for tomorrow in a world that wants it now. Now that's the hard part, guys. This is my last point is that we're, we're, we're praying for tomorrow in a world that wants it now. This is one of our biggest problems, I believe, as a culture and as a generation, is that we think that everything that we have, we should have right now. We get everything instantly. I mean, if our phones buffer anymore at all, it is like a bad day. Like, what is going on? You have a phone that's hooking up with satellites in outer space, people. Like, it's working, you know? Like, give it a moment. And it, we just can't wait for anything. Food, I need it fast. If we waited at McDonald's for 35 seconds, it wasn't fast enough. Microwave food, we want everything to come quick. But I'm a cooker, and I know that the best things are slow cooked, y'all. You know how I'm, I'm going to cook that turkey all day long. <laughs> when well, we did that smoke fest here for the guys a couple weeks ago, months ago, we slow cooked that pork, man, for two days. It was so good. <clears throat> the best things in life are you have to wait for. You have to, if you, if you want to be married, it's worth waiting for. You run into something too fast, you'll find out. That thing's a little raw on the inside. You know? It ain't right. It made me a little sick. I can't lie. Well, it's your fault. Don't run into it. Here we go. So don't, here's my third point. Don't eat tomorrow today. This is a good point. Rachel, you got to come. I'm going to try to say this fast. Here's what you need to know. One day, this is a scripture in Genesis chapter 25, verses 29 through 34. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived at home in, uh, from home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. I love that he was exhausted and he was hungry. And Esau said to Jacob, "I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew." Oh man, I'm starved, and I can smell it. Salty fries from McDonald's. You know what I'm talking about? Like I can just smell it. it's so delicious. Y'all go there right now. Mm. And uh, he said, "I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew." and This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. Verse 31. All right. Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. He says, look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright now? But Jacob said, you must swear to me that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling his rights to his firstborn, his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew, and Esau ate the meal, and he got up and he left, and he showed contempt and his rights as the firstborn son. I think we're prisoners of the moment. And many of us, if we look back over this month's bill summary, we'll see. The racetrack got far more money than I wanted them to get. I do not want Starbucks to get another $25. They're doing just fine as a multi-billion dollar company. They don't need your $12 for a mocha. It ain't that good. But in the moment, I'm just having a bad day. I need to rehydrate. I need some new caffeine. I need a pick-me-up, man. And the problem is, is if you don't have a plan for today, other businesses do. You have to understand, companies are spending billions of dollars to figure out how to get you when you're weak, get you when you're exhausted, get you when you're tired. Because if you're so busy that you can't plan, then they'll plan for you. Hey, we'll make it easy. Come give us your money. Come give us the resources that God gave you that you don't want. You don't want that. And here's what happens. You buy enough McDonald's this month without planning on where your food's going or what you're doing with your money, you don't realize it, but $5 at a time, there goes Europe. There goes that missions trip. There goes that Apple computer you wanted, but it's all because you didn't know what you wanted from the beginning. We live life with mission. We live life with purpose, and many of you are going to sell what God wants from you to this world. I'm not, I'm, I, like, this sounds like, like I'm exaggerating. I actually believe like I'm not. I believe that the money that God has given you is not yours. It's all his. And we are giving what God gave us to others and then we're frustrated that we don't have enough. And it's mostly because we don't have a plan. And we could have a plan if we didn't sit in front of the television for eight hours. We could have a plan if we didn't, if we didn't stay on our smartphone and do, and do social media all day long. We could clear our minds and renew our hearts and say, God, what do you want from me with my life? What does God want from you in your life?